from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week uh, by the CEO of a company who started in Geekdom back in 2012. Uh, and Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And can you share a little bit uh, about your company with our, our listening audience? Sure. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. I think it's an awesome thing that you've been trying to get the word out about just innovation and just the ecosystem of companies that are making San Antonio better uh, every day. Uh, just a little correction there. I st- we started the company in 2008. We did rent an office in Geekdom in 2012 for, for about a year at the old at the old facility, which was inspiring because I got to uh, meet a lot of cool people there, and I'm sure there's a lot of cool people here too, so I just got a tour. Again, we started Torian in 2008, and next month will be our 10th 10th birthday congratulations yeah and so before starting torian you were uh in the military here in san antonio not in san antonio i'm originally from san antonio but i spent 23 years in the in the air force retired air force comm officer and the last 10 years of that career was specifically in computer security now famously known as cybersecurity, so the, the buzzword changed. So you, you may have some friends over in the 24th and 25th Air Force here in town. We do, and we we fortunately have some work there, too. Okay, so, so you, you have some friends and some and some customers. As, as you uh, got out, and one of the, the our listening audience, there's a lot of folks, we've had the Bunker Labs uh, team on CyberTalk Radio before talking about that, so we have a large number of uh, military listening audience. So uh, can you just talk through with them on, the transition out to civilian life and then what led you to go start your own company here and and how how did that process run through really good question you know a lot of times especially when you're sort of institutionalized after 20 plus years it it really doesn't even take that long but when you're in the military for such a long time you get a a lens that sees the world in a certain way and it's important but when you transition to you know back to private life if you will commercial uh the images don't look the same and they're and they're kind of scary uh what i found to be helpful is to work in the same type of work i felt comfortable in even though the business climate was very different and so it was actually liberating in a way when you when you recognize that the world is not going to hurt you. It's actually uh, a chance for you to advance and still serve the country without a uniform. That's yeah. really how I feel about it. So well, and one of the things I, I see talking to a number of uh, veteran business owners that their, their business does something, and I think you hinted about this a little bit uh, before uh, we, we hopped on air here, your business does something, but that's not necessarily the product that you're selling. The the product you're providing is not necessarily the mission and purpose behind the the business. So, uh, how do you you think about the separating the what you do from the why you do it? I love that uh, type of dialogue. In fact, you said we have what the whole day to talk together about. We, yeah, we can go. <laughs> we can I go will, for a while here. Th- this is my favorite subject. Is really our purpose for being. 
and I do a lot of reading, number one. I love books. I'm addicted to it. It's much to the chagrin of my wife. I can't stop getting books and reading, and I even download the electronic version of a book I purchased in hard copy, so that's because you, you got to have access to it, right? So anyway, in the reading and learning that I've done in my life, I found out that if you do not have a purpose for being much bigger than yourself, then you know what are you what are you really existing for? And so our purpose, our company's purpose, is to find work, create jobs, change lives for the glory of God. That's why we exist. Yeah. And so it's inspiring because hundreds of things we've done over the years that meet that criteria, I believe is why people come to be part of it. It's not the case that people gravitate to something just for money. It is for putting significance in their life. And we're not perfect, but we have built a platform that allows people to live that through their life. Yeah. Because if you have uh, high-level cybersecurity skills, there's uh, a long list of people waiting to give you job offers. So, yeah, I mean, and, and as a cybersecurity business owner, you've, you've got to be able to do something above and beyond just I can give you work in cybersecurity because, like, there's, again, no shortage of the folks for that. So, I mean, I love what you guys have, have gone and done there and, and set a real mission um, and deeper background purpose for Right. So where did the, the name come from? Before I answer that, I want to pick up on something you said. Sounds good. You said we, there's a bunch of talented people out there and, you know, there's a, there's a greater need than the people that we have access to, right? So what we say is we're at a war for talent. Yeah. We're at a, a you know, we're fighting a cyber war, but we're also at a war for talent. And the way you solve that becomes the differentiator. Now, I feel like we have a good grasp on that. And I copied the parable in a book called The Dream Manager from Matthew Kelly. It was printed in 2007. And what that basically says, it says, your company can never become the best version of itself if its people aren't first striving to become the best versions of themselves. And the way you become the best version of you is when you achieve your personal, not the business, when you reach your personal hopes and dreams in life, you become a better version of you. And as a result, the company becomes a better version of it. So we, copying from this book, we have now two people whose name tag reads Dream Manager. We manage the personal dreams of every team member we have in our company so that they can see fulfillment in their personal life. And we track it like a project, like a project manager. It's a yeah. dream manager. So we have seen some very powerful results of doing that. And, you know, one thing is your retention is pretty high. Yeah. And so, again, we're not perfect and not everybody subscribes to it. But those that do have seen power in their own life that is inspiring other people to then do it for themselves so that's the actual book that I read when I said you know what? I want to start a company and I want to start it on this philosophy because I've 
you know, for one year between my military career and my this company, I worked for a big company and I had two two numbers, two employee IDs, not just one. Yeah. Let alone my name, right? So it is very common that people sort of uh, kind of make fun of that. And I say there are good people in big companies. It's Absolutely. Just, it's, just, it's just hard to connect personally at every level, right? So we take deliberate acts to make sure nobody's forgotten, their hearts are not forgotten. We track it carefully, respectfully, earn the trust for them to believe in it and then we help them f- help them not forget what they said was important at one time to them right? yeah so that's the foundational climate if you will that we started this business on was this book it's called the dream manager and i thought one day i was just reading pu- pulling out books at an airport and i thought okay here's a book here's a book i was gonna go be a manager and i thought oh here's a dream manager will teach me how to be a dreamy manager, right? Yeah. So I thought it was the five steps to becoming the best manager. And it turns out that I always say I read that book by accident because I thought it was going to be about that, and it totally wasn't about that. It was about a, a fictitious company who had a high turnover rate and how they solved it. And I'll submit that that uh, process works no matter what you're doing. You could be doing cybersecurity. You could be doing lawn mowing. You could be doing anything. If people are involved, people have dreams. And even if you're mopping floors, you have dreams. So if you can take that and spread it out, I think that's a great thing to do because people should love coming to where they call work. Yes. Because they're, they're not separating two parts of their life. They're living their same life throughout the day not putting pause and then going to this place called work, coming home and hit resume. I say live the same life throughout your day, and then you don't have to memorize two versions of yourself. No. You live one version. So. Yeah, I was on a, a panel recently, and I'm going to steal from one of my fellow panelists who I think borrowed. He's fairly certainly borrowed from Mark Twain, but uh, if you, you don't know where you're going, chances are you won't get there. And so like, I, I really love the that whole dream manager idea is, is you're forcing folks to – really think about where do they want to get to, what it matters to them, and with the answers to the questions, you can show them how they're moving and progressing towards that path. And if people are waking up in the morning and they get to look at themselves in the mirror and they go, you know what, I'm going to go in today and I'm going to get closer to my goals and dreams. I can see the path I'm on. I can see where I'm going. I can see how this stuff helps me get there. You don't have employee turnover. You have people that are, are looking forward to coming into the office every morning and doing their work for the customers, doing their work for the themselves because it's a, a full circle of reward it's not just i'm coming here to get some money so i can actually go really do what matters to me and maybe the rest of my time is going towards my own goals and dreams and and i think a lot of folks don't share their goals and dreams and desires with the the company they work for or with their manager because they're afraid if i actually say this then they're going to know that i'm not really excited about what we sell or why we sell it but if you'll show up and do good work and, and your manager can understand how you're using what you do and to progress towards a bigger goal, I think it, it creates a healthier relationship for everybody. It's um, a real great tip. And um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you uh, are, are blessed with uh, very low employee turnover. And if you're having a hard time hiring people, 
step one, just like if you're having a hard time finding new customers, don't lose the ones you have. You, you went through all that time and energy to get an employee on board. Uh, do the things to treat them right, to take care of them so that they stay. And same thing with customers. Right. It is true. So a couple of things you pointed out. Relationships get stronger when two or more people are working together toward the same thing. It's, it's true in a marriage. It's true in a friendship. And it's absolutely true in an employee-employer relationship. These things are inextricably linked together. And so you talked about creating your own path. It's better to create your future than have time take you to a place you didn't really know what was going to happen, right? So you're deliberately acting on the future you envision for yourself rather than just kind of letting time sort of get you there and you don't even realize how you got there. But next thing you know, it's 10 years later, and you're wondering why you're still sitting still in the same uh, conceptual place in your in your heart. So it is, I don't think you can over, over talk about it, because what's, what's really kind of disappointing is when we say this, people say, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, you really care about your people? You know, it's like, Shouldn't we all like yeah. feel that way? Why is it such a big news? Right? Yeah, it, but, it's but it actually makes art newspaper articles. Yeah, um, because it's very different, and I respect the fact that I'm not making fun of the world. I'm just saying we can make it better if we treat each other better, with dignity, respect, and we earn the trust for people to tell us, "I'm here, but I really want to be there," and so. You gotta, you gotta be consistent. We've helped four, at least four people that worked in our company start their own business, and a couple of them compete with us. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. Either you're purely doing this. It can't just be to suit the needs of Torian. It's yeah. to suit the needs of a person. And sometimes people come and go. It's the season in their life. We don't own people. It's what's better for them and their family. That's really the end of it. You know, what's better for them and their family. And sometimes our company is not the best place for them, so we have to free up their future, you know, quite frankly. Yeah. So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined uh, this week by Jeff Jaime, the CEO of Torian. And, uh, Jeff, we've been going through at the start of the program, if you just joined us on air, um, talking about building a company culture based on trust the goals and the dreams of the folks uh, at the company so that they can achieve those dreams and and build a, a, a great lasting rewarding relationship with uh, their company because all of those four folks that have left even if they're running competitive businesses now I'll, I'll bet that they still have a great relationship with you and a, a lot of the other folks at Torian as well yeah I mean it's not always nice <laughs> to be honest uh, but it is beneficial for them because at the end of the day maybe they feel stuck in a way right like inhibited they're not really uh unleashing their full potential and the, the biggest job of a leader i think is to un uncap the potential in others yeah. right if we are focused on that really unleashing everybody's potential then they become better versions of themselves and then especially if they have children they can be motivating to their children right and then they have a good self-image. And so it really cascades, and it starts in the business. You know, 
if you can't if you can't do it as a maybe you were unfortunately raised in a certain way that didn't really give you a lot of self-confidence guess what companies can help you get that back yeah and and i think we're doing that it's just it's very it's it's meaningful to do it's not easy to do yeah so where did the name torian come from yes get back to that so what do you think it means so I mean I think of like the uh, the Minotaur in the maze is what Torian makes me think of, but I mean so Taurus is the bull, but like it, it, your logo and that it makes me think of the Minotaur in the maze and uh, like trying to go through and find the cyber stuff going on out there. It's a maze. It's a mess in our world. Good. Yeah, I like that one. I'm gonna start saying that <laughs> because one guy I asked that too. I said, well, what do you think it means? He goes, well, a bull uh, is strong. You're tough on you know, security, you don't take any crap. I'm like, yeah, I want to use that one, right? Yeah. But I like yours better. There we go. Um, the truth is, when I tell you the real thing, you're going to be like, oh. So my birthday's May the 6th. You're a Taurus. The guy that I sort of co-founded this with, he was May the 10th. There you go. We were sitting in a closet that we turned into an office in a big company. I said, you know what, let's start this company. He's like, good, I'm with you. I said, well, what do we call it? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, I'm May 6th, you're May 10th. We're both Taurus. Let's just call it Torian. He's like, yeah, let's do that. And we could have said, hey, let's call it Mickey Mouse. Uh, But then Disney Disney might have been pretty upset about that one. They would have sued us. So you have to pick a name. It's interesting that a name does matter. And I've heard it pronounced just like my name is Jaime. People say James, Jamie. It's just been my whole life. So I've found that true to be also the case with this company we hear Torin, toron toran right yeah at the end of the day it's what are we doing for the world whatever label tag you have ours happens to be torian i'm grateful for it but what's most important to me is the impact we're having on people and lives and just being good for the world not the best in the world yeah. So, and, and you moved out to, to Bourne, Texas. Oh, wait, no, not yeah. Bourne, Texas. Yeah. So, so you guys were at Geekdom at one point now, and, and your your office is out in Bernie, another one of those ones where everyone mispronounces it, yeah. outside of, of Bear County. And for those listening on iHeartRadio or maybe picking this up on uh, iTunes or Pocket Cast or another podcasting service after the broadcast, uh, around here we've got uh, Bear County, which is spelled B E X A R. Uh, we've got Bernie, Texas, which is spelled just like Bourne Identity, but it's not the Bourne Identity. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, well, lots of, uh, mispronunciations around this area for sure. Uh, so what led you all, uh, to, uh, move a little bit further out into the hill country there into Bernie? So we had an office, our first office. I was really grateful for this lady who gave me a chance. It was just me, uh, off of Blanco road. I went into her and I said, I would like to rent some office space. She's like, Oh, well, give me your financials. And I'm like, I don't have that. Oh, I said, I don't need much. And so she said, well, I'm going to take a chance and let you have some office space, 550 square feet. After that happened, everybody believed I was starting a business. Isn't that something? Yeah. I had already said I was, but now I have an address and they're like, oh, you're serious. Yeah, yeah. I was serious yesterday, too. But now you believe me? Yes. OK, I believe you. That was in 2008. So we started there, had a few team members join we were blessed to get some work grow some work we want a really good contract we needed more room um 
so we went back to the same lady she leased us more more building space and i think we lived in almost every building she had at that complex at one point and one point we had a really nice office and we had one that was toward the back of the complex it's amazing we were a parking lot away but the people in the back felt less than the people in the front yeah isn't that something you could be less than a mile but the psychology that takes place between there so i didn't want them to feel bad so we had to find a bigger place we could all be together so at least in this in this complex we moved bought a building in bernie uh just off of i-10 now there's room for all of us that are our headquarter location we have a leased office space in dc and we have team members in south carolina and florida and so for the people here we're all co-located but in between that time frame, I met a gentleman um, who talked to me about geekdom. I said, wow, that's really neat. I, w- I want to be part of that. So we, around 2012, we came to, the, to that office and, and leased it for about a year. And in that process, I got to meet a lot of people that were inspiring. Uh, but we couldn't make it down here, but we just didn't take the time to do that. Um, and so we, after about a year, we stopped. We yeah. stopped using it. But while we were there, we learned about some cool technologies. We actually are using as an inspiration to some of the things that led me to the topic. I, my marketing uh, person said, "Send in a topic." Yeah. <laughs> so I send in this topic, which doesn't exist yet, but we're making it. And in truth being told I got the initial idea from Geekdom actually when I was when I was here oh that's uh one of the I think Geekdom's uh mission statement or at one point I think it may still be is but it's a place where startups are born where the ideas come together because usually is is you um get folks that have different backgrounds and perspectives together um that's where you you start to see some real sparks and ideas that can make something um, new and different and amazing if if you have uh, a homogenized group of folks all with the same background the same experiences the same life knowledge you you don't often get innovation in those settings so um, this is, is one uh, Trinity does this at the university level. They, they'll put people together from uh, different departments onto a project together in a cross-disciplinary manner or um, a- AT&T back in the, the famous days of Bell Labs. Most of the big laboratory research uh, facilities had all the physicists down one hallway and all the biologists down another hallway and all the electrical engineers down another hallway. Bell Labs did an intentionally mixed up design so they would have offices down the hallway that was biologists, mm-hmm electrical engineer, chemist, physicist, and they, they jumbled the people up so that they would end up with hallway conversations, uh, walk into each other with lunch, get to know people outside their own fields. And um, that sparked a few little ideas like Unix and the semiconductor and a, a handful of other uh, things that we all use now. But that all came because of cross-disciplinary research and those um, conversations that you need to, to have for innovation that require you to get outside of your your own uh Bubble, yeah. So uh, your your marketing uh, tagline there says the agile cyber defense for Torian. So yes. um, we're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour pretty quick for a news, traffic, and weather update. But when we uh, get back from the break, it, go ahead and give the folks uh, about a, a minute here, kind of high level. What a, what can we uh, talk to them in the, the agile cyber defense world? How do they need to be thinking about things? So everything moves fast 
and you have to be agile to adapt to the moving targets, right? And even the moving defense. And so that is a tagline. A lot of people think that's that's our part of our name, but you know, I would say, well, it's it's not Nike, just do it. Or EA Sports, it's in the game. You know, like their their name is Nike, right? So yeah. I wanted that to be Torian and Agile Cyber Defense would be a tagline. But uh, the, some of the methods that we're we're implementing, I think, are very unique, and we, you know, we've adopted concepts like DevOps and you know, deployable systems that are agile in a way. So uh, I look forward to talking talking more about that after the break. Yeah. So we are gonna drop off here. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after a news, traffic, and weather update. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by a uh, real veteran of the U.S. Air Force, uh, Jeff Jaime, who's the CEO of Torian now. Uh, he spent uh, 23 years in the Air Force uh, prior to uh, founding uh, Torian back in 2008. If you wanted to hear uh, more about the, the founding of the company, how it started, and how the, they live their values to uh, motivate their employees to make their lives better and to make the world a better place uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast and replay of this Uh, it'll be coming online on tuesday on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com you'll also be able to find it on itunes uh, podcasts or uh, pocket casts or anything else in your favorite android device or if you would happen to enjoy looking at a still photo of jeff and i uh, you can also check us out on our youtube channel if you'd like to talk to the show or come join us on the program, look us up on Facebook or Twitter and reach out to CyberTalk Radio. So, Jeff, uh, it was a really uh, engaging, exciting conversation the, the first half of the program, and we had kind of uh, headed into the break talking about agile cyber defense. And so uh, you're out, and we, we've had uh, Congressman Will Hurd on the program before, so we, uh, for those in the listening audience, we have uh, all of our episodes are up uh, on the podcasting service or on our website uh, one of the things there, he's working on modernizing the military procurement process because, I mean, it, you know, the way I think about it, it used to be that weapons platforms like a B-52, that thing gets designed and they swap out electronics, they swap out the munitions, they swap all these things out over the course of a 50-year life cycle for the platform and the, the munitions may um, get changed out. But in the cyber world, platforms change every three to five years, munitions change every day. These zero-day attacks come out and there's a new munition to worry about, and then you've got a new defense, and that munition goes away. Um, so it's really uh, changed the, the, the world in the way that the uh, Department of Defense needs to think about these things from a computer procurement perspective. And what I heard you saying out of Agile Cyber Defense with you guys are introducing some new, more rapid ways for uh, your customer to think about things. And we can't talk about anything, obviously, uh, too secret sauce here on the air. But I mean, that's what it got me thinking about when you you uh, talked about your company. That's a good uh, good example about platforms. Um, one of the things that we were able to accomplish over the past few years is we developed a our own platform, if you will. Uh, typically, kind of to your point about the government acquisition process, they'll buy a thing that does one thing. And then they'll buy another thing to do another thing. 
And then when they want a third thing, then they buy a third thing, right? So eventually you take up a lot of space, you spend a lot of money, eat in, in the context of, of technology, you have to take up power and you have to account for space and you know all the environmental factors that are impacted by more things. Um, imagine if you had an app, a phone for every app that you wanted to run. That's kind of the same analogy. Yeah. Every app, we buy a separate phone. What we've been able to do, and it's sort of come full circle in a way, is we've been able to have one platform that runs multiple things at the same time. And so with that, you enjoy reduced, you know, the CapEx, OpEx. You, re you enjoy lower power utilization more uptime so we're focused on uh we do a lot of system engineering and deployments around the planet yeah and we have basically adopted a concept where we created a platform we deploy the platform one time and then we make additions and updates remotely quickly in real time so you take away all the you know the historical uh, requirements of vetting every change and then there's these spiral development cycles, uh, configuration control, you know, those are, it's not like you're ignoring the importance of that, but you're, you're doing it in a very more efficient way. And so you can literally copy and paste over the network, the update in real time and the mission now enjoys the advances that you just made. You don't have to spend time traveling somewhere every time. Once yeah. you once you get that sort of, you know, some people call it like platform as a service, if you will. So we go plug it in once, get the power running, and then site surveys become virtual. Yeah. Right? You can see how many cycles you have available to you. So you just remotely deploy to those new uh, cycles and you can deploy test like what we call sandboxes you can boy can deploy test apps on the same machine checking to see if the new changes are working and if they are you just copy and paste them to the operational it's a very different mindset but you know the bad guys don't wait for us to get get our stuff together no you know? the, the the days of a, a 90 day patch cycle from the the time that uh, vulnerability is announced until the time that you've patched your production system is about 89 and a half days too long now right and I, I always say this you don't have to see the end of the road to believe there is one right like if i'm driving to california i don't have to see from here california to believe it's there i need to just get on the road and as i'm going i might need to pull over but I'm on the I'm in the right direction, so I don't have to see the whole entire thing to believe that you know I should start. I could start now, and you can make changes as as you're going, and then things change. If you're not agile and, and adaptable, you're gonna go down a path and then have to restart over, right? So, in the old you know sort of a college textbook case, people would develop stuff then show the customer, hey, here's what we did, and they say, well, that's not what I wanted. Oh, well, what I do? Well, you're going to have to start over. Yeah. And then, so 
some some models encourage that because they're only paid for how long they work. Yes. And that is a we need to get rid of that. Let's just work on what works and then do it quickly. And if you mess up, just fix it and go on, right? Uh because you're supposed to mess up, right? That's how you learn. I'll never forget I was uh at a new base in 2000 no 1999 and um, I was in a committee I was brand new and they were they were talking about the rollout of Windows 95 yeah and it was 1999 and yeah. so they were trying to make perfect this base-wide deployment and it's taking them all these years and when I realized they weren't kidding I turned to the guy I said are you saying you're waiting to roll out Windows 95 with no mistakes? Yeah, we, we, we don't want any hiccups. I said, well, you could have rolled it out a hundred times by now and fixed what messed up Yeah. and redo it. And then you'd be rather the, the culture there was let's try to fascinate ourselves by not making any mistakes. And then we could rejoice in a perfect deployment. Yeah. And really, the world went by, which is interesting inside the the military. And you can this is a, a good one just to use from a planning and perspective. So, on military operations, military does mission prep, but there's usually a fixed time schedule. You can only game plan through so many scenarios. You can only think about so much because this mission go, has to go execute on a certain time schedule. Like you're going to be flying a sortie tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. and you can prep between now and 10 a.m. But 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, the planes take off. And, but in the IT world, it seems like inside of the military, and, and this is in businesses as well, like if you are out there and you owe a uh, contract proposal to a customer or something else, the sales team is going to get that contract proposal to the customer by the deadline, 10 a.m. But the uh, in, in some other areas, folks will get into this analysis and planning paralysis where they're trying to figure out how to make it perfect and instead of making it as good as you can on the time schedule that you have available to you. Yes, and in, you were talking earlier about the acquisition time for things. We just recently got involved in a totally different line of area of work, but we, we're connecting it to what we know and do. And it has it's involving these, you know, semi-truck-sized um, transformers. They're huge, and they weigh tons. And so they're being developed and created. It takes like 60-something weeks to make one. And so the reason why timing there is important, it's the place on the planet that they're going to install them. Yeah. They have to plan it for the where the ground is frozen and the truck doesn't sink. So if you miss the window, you can't do it that year. You're going to have to wait till it freezes again next winter. Right. Yeah. So that's a, a real life, you know, so the energy doesn't happen because we we got too caught up in red tape yeah. and you can red tape yourself to nothing. Right. So you're not making any progress or making any difference. And so we need to in acquisition and defending our country in all kinds of areas, be more adaptable to what's actually happening and what's easily predictable to happen. Not what history was right. Don't plan for the past. Yeah, because that's basically what happens in these cases. So, 
And so you guys are doing some of the stuff for the the federal government agencies, uh, but out in the the private sector world, well, um, how does this uh, tie into uh, folks like say I'm running a hospital, I don't want to have downtime, um, but I also don't want to have security vulnerabilities in my healthcare systems because these things are monitoring patients, they're um, c- containing uh, patient medical records and and other information. Uh, how how does what you guys do uh, transition across to the the private sector? Yeah, the <clears throat> that's a really good point. Um, the the fixed number of manufacturers in the world make products that work in different environments. Uh, sometimes there's tweaks to in, in, to accommodate a certain community, if you will. But when you, when you bear it back down, it's basically the same stuff. So the things we do for the federal government also apply anywhere. Anywhere there's a need for networking, right? Uh, TCP IP doesn't change just because you went to a commercial office, right? So um, the vulnerabilities that exist in those products also exist in other products so it becomes more important that we share together regardless of what badge you're wearing or what name you have on your company if we're not sharing together then we're kind of setting ourselves up for bad things to happen and the more we share and 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 collaborate across uh, verticals markets the better will take away the the low-hanging fruit from the from the guys who would be out there to service harm yeah because the bad guys are collaborating by the way they have their own private uh communication servers they they use uh, things called internet relay chat and they'll set up their own private dark web versions of it as we the tagline for our radio programs from the dark web to your your radio dial and the, the dark web is a real thing it's it's um where the bad folks hang out and exchange bad guy information and uh one of the the guests we've had uh, on CyberTalk Radio, Dr. Greg White, over at uh, UTSA, is doing uh, some research now and in, uh, on information sharing organizations. So this is something the good guys are are working to to get better at this, and um, even all the way through to some big uh, funded research projects on how can you do this at scale? How do you have uh, municipalities collaborate with each other? How do you get um, municipalities collaborating with private sector and collaborating with uh, the federal government? And how do you get competitors inside of an industry maybe a whole bunch of banks to uh, collaborate with each other because they're all running a common set of applications and software and while they might compete for customers uh, none of them wants to get hacked and if they can limit each other's exposure it's actually good for all of them like you you've all never talked to a bank executive that's wishing that one of his competitors gets hacked and all their the money or credit cards get stolen because that just shatters confidence in the whole financial industry Um, it's bad for everybody's business Exactly. There, there was a, a good book called The Starfish and the Spider. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it basically teaches us that when you have these command and control hierarchical organizations where there's one person in charge di- dictating what needs to happen, then if that, if that gets killed, then the whole thing dies. And so the, the spider in the book... The spider will die if you cut its head off. But a starfish, you can cut any of its arms off. It'll they'll grow back. Yeah. And so taking that mentality and applying it to an effort 
where there's not somebody in charge and having to make the rules, you'll see the power of that in a sort of open source thinking. And it happened when the Spaniards uh, took out the Incas way yep. back. They just said, hey, take me to your leader, and they did. And so they killed them, and then their whole civilization died off. And so they did that twice. It didn't work when they tried it with the Apaches. The reason why, there was no one person in charge. There was sort of a nomadic group of guys just hanging out, you know, making their way through life. And when we've seen that in technology where we're doing free sharing, peer-to-peer, you know, open thinking, the growth of our capabilities happens better. Yeah. Right? So that happens when you share. We've got in our, our listening audience, uh, so a number of kids out there that might be a, on a cyber patriot team, um, some adults that are maybe going to Open Cloud Academy now, uh, or uh, going through some cybersecurity training somewhere else, lurking to uh, get into this industry. Maybe they're Alamo Colleges right now and, and working on one of the cybersecurity programs there or one of our universities in the area. So for, for those that are up and coming, looking to learn and, and get into cybersecurity too, uh, either help uh, on the private sector side there if they want to get into serving the government maybe as a, a contractor um, or maybe a, a real quick if you are listening out there and you do want to enlist uh, we had a tech sergeant Diami Baker on who's the cybersecurity recruiter for the U.S. Air Force you can listen to uh, her uh, episode uh, on our podcast on iTunes or Pocket Cast or on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com but she talks all about programs the Air Force has for people that want to get directly in and go do cyber as a enlisted or officer personnel. Um, and so if out there for folks that are, are looking to get into this stuff, uh, Jeff, what would you recommend to them to uh, learn, to study, um, to, to do in order to be able to be successful in the cyber world? That's a great question. And in fact, it leads me to sort of our stated, per, um, our mission areas our mission area is to protect prosperity by helping to identify, pursue, and defeat cyber threats. And the prosperity of a nation is based on eight factors. And within those eight factors, you know, you have personal freedoms, you have entrepreneurship, you have security, you have all these different sub-elements of a prosperous nation. Yeah. And I would first find out which one of those you might want to be in because there's cyber uh, related things in each one. We believe that. And so getting smart on how, what you want to achieve in life correlates to a specific thing. So for example, if you want, if you have a heart for wanting to make food safe, yeah. right? Well, there's uh, potential issues, cyber related issues that could impact the food source, right? or the water system, or the electronic grid. So whatever, you know, you may have a, an inclination to go towards a certain topic area. If, if cyber is what you want to get into, or you think you want to get into, it applies to probably everything, whether it's a hospital, uh, you know, a food store, a bank, just about anywhere needs some element of this understanding because the bad things that can happen to our citizens uh, will happen if we're not having somebody to be watchful and, and, and monitoring the things that are coming in and out of that 
environment. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, as uh, I'm sitting here listening, I if you uh, want everyone to have reliable uh, electricity so that we can air condition houses when it's hot so no one gets heat stroke, if all those things, please go apply for a cybersecurity job at CPS. I'm certain yeah, yeah. if they don't have one posted right now, if you showed up and said you're amazing, they may be able to figure out how to hire you there even. Uh, but going through all of these different things or at a hospital, same thing. It's like, I mean, there's equipment there that's got Bluetooth and got lots of uh, cyber risks inside every hospital. Um, it's one that it, you, you start to talk to the hospital information technology staff today um, with all of these things coming online and via TCP IP, via wireless uh, protocols, via Bluetooth, via other things. There's a lot of stuff they're worried about that they've got to do to keep patients safe. But the, the trade-offs of some cyber risk there versus improved speed of patient care and it they're saving lives by adding this technology but still doesn't mean that adding the technology is risk-free you're listening to 1200 wai this is cyber talk radio and i'm joined this week by jeff jaime the ceo of torian a cybersecurity company headquartered in bernie texas uh, just up the northwest side of san antonio uh, maybe home to the newest Bucky's coming soon, but maybe some of the people in Bernie may not be so happy about that. Yeah. Well, welcome to growth and prosperity. Yeah, new things are going to get built. So uh, it's talking about new things. So some of the stuff you guys are, are working on or providing out there is like we were talking about these healthcare risks um, and thinking about how do you secure this different stuff. So you guys are working on, or maybe you have some stuff there now about location-based dynamic access control. So uh, go explain that to our audience here. Yeah, I, I really feel this is going to be a prominent concept. We'll see it show up in different ways, just like when they invented the car the first time. Now we have a variety of them, but they basically take you from point A to B, right? So what I meant by that, so access control sounds like what it says, right? Controls access. And we have that in technology. We have rules that say hey if it's from here block it or if it's from here allow it right we're controlling access to things yeah. on a network for example uh, dynamic access control is where that the word dynamic allows you to vary right it's conditional it's conditional access control right so maybe in this scenario you're you're able to see certain things but in this scenario you're able to see other things so the rules change based on the scenario. Location-based is what I feel is the new. What we're working on is to require you to be physically in a certain location before you know something is accessible to you. Yeah. So how do you do that? Well, we're, we have two pieces, and we're making a third piece. The first piece is the biometric piece. So we're saying we're, we're going to deliver by name attribution where not an IP number, it's your name. Yeah. And it's guaranteed 100% that it's you because the biometric device that's employed guarantees it's you. So we've developed this concept called biometrically appropriate. What's biometrically appropriate for a hospital versus a bank, right? Maybe there's, or a top secret skiff in yeah. the military. What's biometrically appropriate for that? So whatever that is, we'll employ that. On the other end, there's technologies that very strongly secure access to things. 
So what we're developing is the middle piece that says if Brett's in this room, it's Brett, Brett, and only Brett. Yeah. Let him then see this file on this server. But if he's not in that room, in that location, he will not even know that server exists. Right? So yeah. we're marrying your skin and bones reality to your proximal location to access a network. That hasn't been done yet. And so we're making that. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I mean, and as, as you think about through a whole set of use cases there, um, the information leakage and control as we go into this mobile connected wireless world um, is one thing that both private sector and public sector are, are very worried about. Um, the increased access is important for speed. Um, but you've got to be very thoughtful about different classification levels of information and what's appropriate to view in, in those different spots. Like you, you may, if you're a hospital, not want a doctor on an iPad sitting at a coffee shop with Correct. other people looking over his shoulder going through sensitive medical records. But right. it would be totally okay if the doctor was sitting in his office at the hospital. Right. Now, that's a good segue because people ask me when I talk about it, well, what about remote? I'm not talking about remote access. Yeah. You have that. You have that now. I'm not talking, I'm talking about it's important enough to make sure that human being is sitting in a specific ge geolocated place before they can even stare at something. That's what I'm talking about. And then when people realize that their by name attribution is real, they're less inclined to be nefarious on the network. So the insider threat risk dramatically declines yeah. because they know that the, their personal name is being attributed to flows that are being created by them, right? So now that problem starts to decline. Yeah. So you've uh, been listening to CyberTalk Radio. If you wanted to uh, learn more about what Jeff's working on, uh, their website is Torian, T-A-U-R-E-A-N.net. Uh, and you can uh, listen to the full episode of this uh, on Tuesday. It'll come up uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com.